the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Welcome to the podcast edition of Maximum Growth Live, the number one program for lawyers who want to grow their practices. Each week, our hosts, Seth Price and Jay Ruain, tackle the fundamental questions about how to grow the profit and profitability of your law firm. To watch the program live, submit your questions and hear the latest episode. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook for our live show. Maximum Growth Live is a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Maximum Growth Live. I am one of your hosts, Jay Ruane, CEO of FirmFlex, a social media marketing company for lawyers, as well as the managing partner of Ruane Attorneys in Shelton, Connecticut. We do civil rights, we do criminal, but more importantly, this guy right here, Seth Price, all things SEO, founder of Blue Shark Digital, and managing partner of Price Benowitz in D.C., in Maryland, in Virginia, in South Carolina, in Alaska, in Hawaii, in Peru. They're everywhere. Seth, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I'm excited. South Carolina is exploding. We're up to three lawyers, which is pretty, pretty freaking cool. That is. Now you can buy a vacation house on the Isle of Palms and you can, uh, you know, I I can come down there and use it every summer uh, and you can deduct the whole thing and it's a freebie to me, right? And I'm tickled because the, we would not have that, but for uh, Dane Phillips joining us, thanks to Max Lawcon. So, yeah, uh, like, you know, the fact awesome. that this this world and what we're doing here has helped uh, build the firm is is just awesome. And for those who don't know, Max Lawcon is an annual seminar put on by Maximum Lawyer. Maximum Lawyer is a podcast. We are syndicated on the Maximum Lawyer podcast, as well as our own standalone podcast. And we broadcast this show every week live in the Facebook group, Maximum Lawyer. You can certainly join that group. You can subscribe to the Maximum Lawyer podcast. You can subscribe to ours or watch us on any one of our live platforms. So, Seth, what we have this week is a visit with a friend of both yours and mine, I've gotten to know him through John Fisher's Mastermind. And it's funny, you keep hearing the same names come up and out over and over again. You got Fisher's Mastermind, uh, which is phenomenal if you want to tackle one hairy problem in your firm. Everybody who's out there should be participating in that at least once in their uh, in, in their career. But once you get in, you wind up going again and again because it's just it's an awesome community. And then there's the Maximum Lawyer community. And I've gotten to know Michael McCready, who's our guest today, uh, through both of those. So why don't you tell our audience a, a little bit about him? 
you know, look, this is a guy who's built a PI shop in a very competitive market, uh, Chicago. When, when you, you you have to see for yourself, and you'll see in a couple minutes, Michael has done such a good job, not only with systems, but with software and KPIs. Uh, you know, he's taken his PI shop with Smart Advocate, and he has done stuff that I think makes Smart Advocate proud. Like, I don't think they realize how much, you know, Smart Advocate was created by Jerry Parker, one of the legendary guys uh, in New York, who's just an amazing guy. We should got to get him on the show. And uh, and and Michael took this, and he's a force of nature. He's 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 tried TV. He's worked with us on digital. He has built just a juggernaut of a shop, and I would argue with tighter systems and culture than just about anybody. So I can't. Let's get let's get him out here so we don't lose any time with him. Yeah, you know the, the culture that he's built in his office is really sort of phenomenal, uh, and it's certainly something that I definitely want to talk to him a little bit about because of everything that we've gone on. We're coming up to the holiday season. There's going to be some some definitely some stuff that we should talk about with him. So uh, let's do this. We're going to take a few moments to hear from our sponsors as we always do. We're going to bring him in, and when we come back, we'll have Michael McCready personal injury lawyer from Chicago with us. Hang tight, folks. We'll be right back. The lawyers who will succeed in the next decade are the ones who are focusing on building their brands where people meet. And there is no place better to build your brand than on social media. With the FirmFlex DIY social media plan, hundreds of lawyers like you are using social media to build their brand and become the one lawyer in their community that people know, like, and trust. By spending even just five minutes a day on social media marketing, you can engage with hundreds or thousands of people in your local community who will need your services. By cultivating a network of followers, you build a book of business that you can market to the next decade and beyond. If you are looking for a solution to help you jumpstart your social media marketing, look no further than the DIY plan at GetFirmFlex.com. The DIY was created by a small firm lawyer for people just like you helping you connect with local people online and build your brand and engage people in the topics they want to talk about. All for under $100 a month. To find out more, visit GetFirmFlex.com. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. Michael, great to have you here. So excited to dive deep into what's going on within your shop. We've all been struggling with, uh, you know, during COVID and keeping systems in place that Jay talks a lot about. Uh, you've done a great job of not just systematizing a firm, but it appears during COVID coming up with interesting ways to try to keep those systems going. Talk just a little bit about how in, you know, in a very competitive market, you've been able to keep a ship running with as many people as you have. Yeah, thanks, Seth. Thanks, Jay. Um, yeah, happy happy to be here. Um, so, COVID has presented a lot of challenges uh, from an administrative standpoint, um, also from delivering the legal services. So, um, when when we shut down, we're in Chicago, and uh, and we had a full shutdown in March uh, for about two and a half three months. 
Um, I had a firm-wide meeting on Zoom. This is when Zoom was still kind of new and interesting. I know everybody's tired of Zoom at this point, but uh, we had a firm-wide meeting and my message to the team was, let's take this opportunity um, you know, we're, we're not going to struggle. We're going to come out stronger. And what can we do to position ourselves to, uh, to benefit and to come out stronger at the end of this, not knowing when the end was going to be, of course. So we had a very rough month of uh, April and May. Uh, and then things started opening up again. Um, I run a personal injury practice, uh, about 60% automobile cases, 30% premises cases. So when the economy is shut down, people just aren't out. And there's just not that many accidents. So, uh, so we took the time of the complete shutdown to review a lot of our processes and procedures. Um, we reviewed all of our forms. Uh, you know, when, when you've got a firm that has a, a enough clients, you have to systemize it and you have to have forms. You can't reinvent the wheel with every single pleading that you have, every single letter that you have. I think most, uh, most lawyers understand that and have their own set of forms, uh, whether they're automated templates or not, but they've got the forms. So we, we went through and reviewed all of our forms. Which ones are we using? Which ones are we not using? And which ones can we improve? And and we, we spent a, a lot of time on that. Uh, but the point is, we, we reviewed all of our systems from top to bottom uh, with the expectation that things were going to change and we need to change and adapt. And that how can we improve during this period of time? Um, you know, part of it is keeping the the um, your team motivated and during the you know non pandemic time you go around you pack someone in the back you say hello uh, you could actually tell by body language how somebody's doing how have you adapted to keeping morale up and keeping people motivated in a time where you don't have as many touches with them. Well, it's certainly been a struggle. Uh, I, I can't say that I have any magic answers. I, I think what helped our firm was what we had in place before COVID-19. Um, and, and you can't plan for that. Nobody expected a, a pandemic and, and a complete shutdown of the economy. But for years, we have been working um, uh, completely electronically. I've got four offices. Uh, we all work interdependent. Many of my staff don't even see each other except in person at a Christmas party, um, but know each other very, very well, just through the means of communication that we have. So when I sent everybody home, it was a Friday. I said, everybody take their voice over IP phones home with them, plug them into the internet, made sure everybody had a computer, everybody could log into our system. And Monday morning, I mean, we never missed a beat. Um, so, 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 so logistically, it was okay for us. But from a culture standpoint, um, I think that a lot of the groundwork was was already built, uh, which has allowed us to continue. Um, if, if you don't have a strong culture, if you don't have people that love what they're doing and and, and believe in your vision and what you're doing, sending them at, sending them to work at home is a nightmare. Um, we do we do have extensive uh, metrics that we keep track of in terms of productivity and so forth and so on, but frankly, we really haven't needed to to enforce very much of that because everybody's doing what they did when they were in the office. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you, and you have the multiple offices as we, as we do. Something that I've experimented with, with mixed results, I'm wondering how you've done is to keeping a video chat going to try to simulate some of the interpersonal that they might get in the office, even pre-COVID, where we have a multiple offices and there might be an admin by themselves at a satellite location. Have you, you know, have you had any exp uh, either positive or negative experience using sort of a video hangout that people can participate in when needed, unmute and ask questions, so you get some of that serendipity rather than waiting for more formal meetings? We, we haven't found that to be effective in our firm. Uh, listen, Zoom meetings were cool and, and, and unusual in March, and then by the time April rolls around, everybody's not another Zoom meeting. Well, I was talking about like a, just an ongoing, and Jay and I have talked about this, the ongoing video hangout so that it's basically, a, I'm trying to figure out ways to keep people not being isolated. They're doing their work and in theory, they know what they're doing. They've pivoted into that. But if you're working in your own world, our intake team, for example, normally can shout around the room, hey, I'm, I got a client asking about this. Anybody have any experience? And you, you, you lose that. Is there any sort of um, chat and or video chat that you've been able to use to sort of help simulate what you did have, at least for the people that were together before? No, we really haven't. We communicate primarily electronically between the offices. Uh, we use Teams, um, you know, just like a Slack, just a, right. and we're bouncing things between everybody all the time. Um, I think it's a good point. It may work. Um, also, I've got a lot of different uh, personalities in the firm. Um, we all respect each other. We all work together, but we're not necessarily buddies. Um, you know, as my firm has grown, when it was me and three, four, five people, I was just one of the teams. You know, we go out for a beer after work on Friday. Um, right, and not, that's not the case Friday. anymore, is it? Yeah, but 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 now I'm the boss. And, no, no, and no gotcha. I, I feel you. I need, to, I need to separate myself. And then uh, same thing. We've got we've got millennials that are interested in going out and doing their own thing. I've got people that have been with me for 15 years that have got kids that are in college. So we have a lot of different interests that uh, socially I don't know is necessary. It, it just wouldn't work with my firm. You know, you were, you were talking about some uh, ideas. You know, we're all trying to figure out holiday parties coming up. Maryland just reduced the percentage of people, 20 people max at an event, restaurants, 25% capacity. You had some creative ideas of what you're thinking about holiday party-wise. Yeah, so uh, the holiday party is a really big deal at my firm uh, because it's, for me, I mean, I really look forward to it. Um, last year, uh, what we vary from year to year. So one year we will do staff and spouses, and then another year we'll have a big party where we invite our referring attorneys and, and doctors that we work with. So one year we rented out the House of Blues for, for a big party. Last year we went to a really nice steak restaurant uh, in downtown Chicago with just spouses. And, and last year, the thing about the holiday party is it's not about me, right? It's not about my ego. I don't need anybody to say, oh, my God. No, it's for everybody else to get together and their spouses to get together. And, and people, when we have the various offices, it's one time a year they, they're in the same room together. And last year we, we had dinner. We did everything we normally do. Uh, the, rest, the bar closed at 930. And I'm, I, I'm not kidding. No one left. Okay, no one from the Christmas party. I, you know, listen, the bar closes, everybody leaves, right? It gets to be 10.30 and the, and the restaurant kicks us out. 
But to me, I just sat around and watched and was so proud of everybody that was there at the firm and their interactions, and, you know, and even their spouses, you know, oh, I can't believe you work with, um, you know, you, you work with Ray. And how, it was wonderful. So that's the history of our, of our holiday parties. Um, I looked into having a holiday party in person and, and it's just not happening. You know, it, it's no matter how much I want to do it, it's not safe. And now Chicago is shut down again. So um, it, it's just not feasible. So we're, we're investigating a virtual holiday party. And um, I didn't even want to do it because I was afraid a virtual holiday party would suck. Uh, but we have we have gotten some pretty creative ideas and we are in the process of implementing some of those. So um, here's what we're working on. Um, and I'd love if anybody else who's listening to the podcast has any other ideas to share them. Um, because to make a virtual, to make a virtual um, holiday party is, is a challenge. So the first thing we're doing is we're hiring a comedian to be the MC. Um, the holiday party has to have a very, very strict uh, schedule. It cannot be free form. It cannot be 30 people on Zoom and everybody talking. Hey, how are you? How are you? Um, there's got to be a structure for it. So the comedian is going to act as the MC. Um, he's going to send out a, uh, a questionnaire to the firm uh, with some questions that we'll use, he'll be able to use his material. Um, couple other things we're doing is there's a website called cameo.com where you can get minor celebrities to get a personalized video. So we're here in Illinois and our former governor, Bob Milojevich, went to jail. He's now on Cameo. So I think 75 bucks, we're going to have Bob Milojevich wish everybody at the firm a very happy holiday. And you can say whatever you want. Um, we're also going to do some pre-recorded videos of uh, referring attorneys that we work with, doctors that we work with. Just a real quick, hey, everybody at McCready Law, here's a shout out from Dr. So-and-so. Want to wish you a happy holiday. I love working with you guys um, and intersperse those throughout the, uh, the evening. Um, it's a holiday party, so it has to involve drinking for some people. Okay, we've, we've got some staff that don't drink, we've got others that, you know, that's the reason they go to the holiday party. So we're going to, uh, we're going to incorporate uh, kind of a drinking game um, and have a, 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 a flash card come up like every 10 minutes or so. Like a C uh, when the CLEs, when they put the number up, you have to, you have to uh, write that. Right. So if you have a dog, take a drink. Okay, and, and even people that aren't drinking alcohol, I mean, if, if they have water or, or, or pop or something like that. So just something that will encourage people to drink. Um, there was one card that said, uh, have the number of drinks as the number of countries that you've visited. Um, and and I, travel, I travel a lot, I've been, I've been to 31 countries. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, so we're trying to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's doable, right? Um, what else? Um, we do a we do a white elephant, which is like a gag gift every year. Usually we do it, and you can steal from the person. So so someone opens up a present, and, and they get to keep it. And the next person can say, "All right, I'll take a present," or I can steal the one that someone had. 
Uh, we really can't do that remotely. But Actually, I just came up, you just inspired me. Why can't we? If you're using it on Zoom, you, you have it, each person has it there, it's opened, and then you could somehow, maybe if you use the phone as well as the, the computer, you could then have the present on a, on a Zoom and then people could steal it and take it. I just, you know, there seems to be some way that you could do that. You could, but here's the problem is that, you know, when you're doing it live, you physically move present, right? right. So you just stole my present. And now my bottle of scotch is sitting in front of you. Uh, and, and then Jay comes along and says, oh, no, no, I'm going to take that. So we can't physically move it. The other thing is logistically at the end is how do we get all these presents to everybody? Uber. So, well, so what we're going to do, um, what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody pick a name, you know, almost like a secret Santa. Uh, and then that person will be responsible for buying the gag for that person and shipping it to them. Um, and then, but we're going to have people open them up on screen. And awesome. uh, yeah, so, so we've, we've, we've had just a lot of fun with that over the years. The, the difficult part is when you've got new staff that have never been to one of our Christmas parties, they don't understand how, you know, how raunchy some of the uh, gifts can get and just how off color. Um, so we need to try to come up with, uh, with, with really detailed explanation. You know, here's some things that other people have, have gotten from other years. Uh, yeah, but, you know, yeah. and then, you know, people can open them up on screen, you know, on screen and say, oh, my gosh, look at this. You know, it's a pair of Donald Trump underwear or whatever. Um, so, so we're going to incorporate that. Now, over the years, we've had uh, between the uh, the extensive Blue Shark uh, White Elephant Party and the drinking, there have been some contentious moments as those gifts moved around. Uh, yes. Jay, uh, I'll leave it to you. But uh, Michael, it's possible to just adjust the mic slightly. I'm having a. Uh, let's see. Adjust the mic. Perfect. Um, oh, okay. I didn't think I better? did anything. All right. That's great. So, Mike, I, um, you know, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, and I, I can give you one tip. I found this company uh, that's based in L.A. called Drinksmith. Uh, and I've ordered from them three times now in the last couple of weeks. They sell pre-made cocktails with, like, organic juices. Uh, and they have this uniquely chambered bottle. So they, they pressurize the drinks. Uh, so the fresh juice sits at the bottom. And you have to twist the bottle to cause the mixture. So it's like fresh juices. And the, the cocktails are amazing. We've ordered now three times. I've got another one on the truck for delivery today. Every time we get them, you know, we, it, it, the name of the company is Drinksmith and it's, and the, it was a bunch of bartenders got together to put this out for specifically for like office happy hours. Uh, and it's better than just having like a bourbon and water. It's like a, a true bourbon drink. So uh, we love it here. Uh, and uh, I'm sending some out to all the members of my office uh, as part of uh, some of our stuff that we're doing for holidays. Uh, so you may want to check that out. But one of the things, one of the things I want to talk about uh, with you um, is systems in, in this term, because I got to meet you sitting at one of uh, John Fisher's masterminds sitting next to you. And I kept turning to you instead of turning to whoever was leaving the room. Um, but Somebody said something to me interesting lately, and I want to get your take on it and then talk and then follow up question. They said systems make a good person great, but they can't make a bad person good. Uh, and, and, and the, the question, and I want to know if you agree with that. And then the, the, the second question is COVID, Corona, whatever you want to call it, has really challenged the way our firms are operating now. 
you know, there's talk this week of a vaccine. Say everyone in your office it can get the vaccine February 1st. Does that mean February 2nd we're just open back to business the way it used to be? Or do, is there stuff that you can take from what we've gone through over the last 8, 10, 12 months at that point and, and make your firm even better? Yeah, let me address that part first because we've had uh, we've had uh, the executive team talk about this quite a bit. We've made it clear from day one that uh, working from home is not a permanent solution. Uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of our positions can work from home um, if it was designed as a work from home position. But here's the problem that we run into: is uh, you know, a lot of our people have got uh, got children and children at home, and they don't understand dads at work. They don't understand that mom can't do that. So, so people who work from home generally have a dedicated office. They close the door. The kids know not to disturb them. The husband, the wife know not to disturb them. Um, so, so that can work, but, but we're not going to be a remote law firm. Uh, there's something that is lost. Positives are that we don't have to meet the clients as much. Okay, I mean, everybody is now accepting the fact that you do electronic signatures. And we can do intakes on the phone and, and, and we're signing up, you know, 90% of the people electronically. So the reason why we had physical offices were for people to come in. And when people aren't coming into the office, you know, physical offices aren't as important and manning them is not as important. So uh, we do plan on, we do plan on coming back, uh, uh, you know, to the offices when everything clears up. However, we have also expanded our our uh, our job descriptions and our searches start hiring some people from around the country. Um, so, I mean, there's some very, very talented people around the country that uh, that don't live in Chicago that that very easily can promote. So we have really started our job searching around the country. It's funny. We just talked about that on our Tuesday show, which was, you know, look, we were talking about outsourcing overseas, but, you know, some of the most successful lawyers domestically are in the panhandle in Alabama where cost of labor is a lot less. Um, and, you know, as being Chicago and the New York Metro and uh, D.C., there's such a premium and that we are we pay an exorbitant premium just to get people to get downtown. The commuting costs are tremendous. So I, I'm giddy about the idea that I feel like to a certain extent the bandit has been ripped off, but I, I'm sort of with you that there's a certain amount that you you gain by being together um, that, you know, I'm hoping that we, I think that, you know, like most things in life, we will see a greater movement towards certain positions being um, telecommute. And I feel like things that might burn people out five days a week commuting an hour each way is very different than three or four. And the idea that you may be able to retain people longer by having that mental health day where they don't need to fight the traffic and the, and the commuting, I think that's going to go a long way, given that we now know, look, we, we've had a test period. Who does work well remotely and who doesn't? And that's been a an eye-opener to see what does work. And one of you guys was mentioned this a moment ago, I think maybe Jay was, you know, the idea that like the people that were A players you know, they were A players remotely and they followed the systems and the people that were on the bubble, 
you know, those are the ones that we had, and most of them are been washed out, but the people who went home who were not A players, they're the ones we really struggled with. And I think that how we hire going forward, knowing that that telecommuting can be part of that formula, may be different than what we did before when we knew somebody was going to be in the office full time. You know, that ties into Jay's first question about whether processes uh, can make a bad player a good player. Uh, and also with you in terms of uh, who you're hiring and what, what traits you're looking for. So we hire for traits, not for skills, uh, for the most part. We, we, we teach the people at our firm the skills they need and the processes they need to, to run. Uh, but we can't, we can't teach somebody how to be a good worker. One of the personality traits that we like are people who follow directions and like systemized you know, answers to everything. Now, that's not what you want if you're Google. You want free-form, creative people. I, I don't need creative people. I, I don't need a whole team of creative people, okay? I need people that can, can do the work and follow the systems in the way that we've set them up. Certainly, there's room for analysis, and, and, and there has to be. But, uh, you know, if you have that personality trait, if you have somebody that just wants to do things their own way, and, and rebels, uh, that's not going to fit within our firm. So um, we really haven't had problem with, uh, you know, with, 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 with poor performance in our systems. You, you, as an employer, as the boss, I have to present, I have to provide them with the training and I have to provide them with the tools, okay? If I give them the training and the tools, then they're on their own because you should be able to succeed. If you can't succeed with our training and with our tools, then the question is either you don't have the, you know, the mental capacity, you're just not quick enough to do it, or you're not a hard enough worker. And I um, guess and what so I'm giddy about is the idea that right now, and I, I guess we, I, I will say for myself, I hate to admit it, but there are times we have a limitation. We have so many applicants that are willing to get to our office on a daily basis. The idea that you're doing a national search gives you so much more of an opportunity to find people that will fall into your systems. You may get somebody who's like, they have six out of 10 things, but you can get them to come to the office on Monday. Whereas I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that as we move borders around, that we will be able to get eight or nine of our 10 things that we really want um, more easily that again, maybe it's different in your market, but I've I've had issues where you know we get people that might be great, but we can't make it worth their while to get downtown. I'd love to be at a point where I'm able to get some of those people that were eight, nine, tens that I just couldn't grab otherwise. Yeah. So so what I the way that I look at it is. Um, you know, you guys both run firms and, and, and they're respected and they're, they're a good firm culture. It's a great place to work, right? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything that people at my firm wouldn't tell you. You know, we're very careful about who we let in uh, as part of the team. But there are a lot of A players out there that are working for C law firms. And they're not being challenged. They've been doing it forever. Um, and so we really try to appeal to those kind of people that aren't necessarily looking for a job. Um, it's a good analogy that I use is that if you're in a long-term relationship, you know, you got a boyfriend, girlfriend, um, you know, yeah, I don't really want another, I don't, I'm not looking for a girlfriend, 
but you know, let me let me see what the uh, the personal ads say, and just something attract. Wow, who is this person? And and that's kind of how we look at our job search. Is we're looking for the people that you know are, are comfortable. They've got a job, really good at what they do. But they know that they can be better. They know there are better places to work out there, and uh, and we try to appeal to them. And um, I mean, I've had I've had people tell us that. I wasn't even looking for a job, but your job posting spoke to me. More than one person has said our job posting has spoke to them. Um, I look at social media um, as one of our greatest recruiting tools is people that are looking at our firm to work there. Look, and, and our social media is who we are. Right. You know, it celebrates birthdays and accomplishments and and fundraisers that we're doing and. Um, you know, we're a fun place to work. And, uh, and that that's the kind of person that we want to attract. Just give me an idea. We, you know, I don't think we do our birthdays on social media. That's a, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, what do you, do you do anything, something we've had success with, uh, with internal recruiting, uh, you know, having uh, a, a bounty for, for people at the firm, bringing their friends who may not be looking, but uh, knowing that it means something to their, to their bottom line, if they bring in uh, good people. Yeah, you and I have talked about this. I've never implemented a bounty, but I will say that some of my best uh, hires have been recommendations. Um, hey, you know, my, my, my friend's been working at such and such a firm for 15 years. Um, now, I've got a little bit with, with, with working in person, I've got a little bit of a different uh, dynamic than you. My main office is on the south side of Chicago. Um, and so an attractive uh, part of working at my office is not having to go downtown. All right. So we have attracted some, some really high quality people that just don't want to go downtown anymore. Uh, and now they can come to our South side office. The drawback of being on the South side is you limit the geographic scope of the people that can come to our office. So anybody on the North side is not going to travel all the way to the South side to come to our firm. Yeah. Um, uh, but but we, we've got we've got downtown space, so um, we, no, we try to get the best people. You know, Price Benno told that has satellite offices out there. The main office being downtown, but I live this experience. I, I get it. Um, I had Blue Shark when it started in Bethesda, Maryland, walking distance from my house, which was freaking awesome. But people from Virginia didn't want to come to Maryland. So by putting something in D.C., you'd get the people that could come from anywhere, and it's like that. That is that is definitely uh, an advantage, but. What you can't get is the people who are local where it's like it's a dream job. It just limits the scope. Chicago's large enough that you're fine limiting it to a third of your geography because there's just the population is so massive that you probably still have talent. And I can see that, right? There are people who are RA players downtown that you could eat, that you can attract because they're like, hey, we can pull right into the uh, into the joint. Don't have to fight traffic and, uh, and public transportation to get to, to work. I mean, I've, I've hired attorneys that literally live in my neighborhood. Um, I used to live a mile from my office and I can't, I can't, you can't underestimate how nice it is to avoid a commute. Um, I, for year, well, when I was living there for years, I didn't even have a computer at home. What did I need a computer at home for? I could just run into the office anytime I needed something. Now I'm dating myself a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> but the point was, you know, being a mile from the office, if, if, uh, if I woke up at five in the morning, I could go work for an hour or two and still be back for breakfast. Um, so, so that was a benefit. 
You know, uh, you, you've been great. I don't want to geek out too much on the PI specifics since, you know, uh, our audience is pretty general, but one of the things that when we went, when we went, uh, virtual that everybody was, uh, sort of struggling with was checking on productivity. What are some of the things, I know you have a ton of metrics that you look at, but what are some of the key metrics that might be good for our general audience that you've looked at to ensure that you're getting solid productivity from employees when you can't see what they're doing day to day? Now, the, the first step, of course, is you need something that can track all of this. So right. our case management system tracks all of this. Um, and we have different positions in the firm that have different metrics that we keep track of. But across the board, we keep track of how many cases worked on um, on a weekly basis, how many notes were created, um, how many tasks were completed. And I think that those things will translate to anything. Um, for example, um, our negotiators, uh, we keep track of how many settlements they have per week, how many negotiate, how many demands they sent out. So every firm, every practice area is going to have their own key uh, key performance indicators, right? The things that if you keep track of, you're going to be able to know whether the work's being done or not. Um, but, you know, the, the cases worked on, tasks, notes, um, I think what else, uh, client contacts we track, which is really important. Um, you know, something Jay and I have. I have a question about that because there's sort of a, a there's sort of a debate whether you want to have, you know, for a role, here's your 10 KPIs or here's your one. Where, what, where do you fall in that spectrum when it comes down to it? Because, you know, you can overwhelm your people with a lot of KPIs. Uh, but at the end of the day, there are sometimes one real thing that matters. Uh, and so, so how do you, how do you sort of deal with that spectrum, Michael? Oh, I, I, I like, I'm more of the 10. Okay. I think there's just different, different things that different people do, or I should say different positions do. And when you get to the point that you've got two people doing the same position, then you can compare the two and you can see now, now we, we have never implemented, um, quotas, uh, you know, all of our data, uh, for everybody in the firm, all of our KPIs for 30 people share among the firm. So everybody can see what everybody else is doing. If you want to know, you know, how you're doing, go look at, uh, the other case managers, you know, go and look at the other attorneys. Do you have somebody who manages that data and those KPIs to produce them? No, here Here's the best part is that my, my case management generates them and every Monday morning they get an email with their numbers and each person puts in their own numbers. Okay. I could automate that. I mean, I could, I could have those numbers pre-plugged in. I want them to look at their own numbers and, and it, takes, it takes two, three, four, five minutes. Explain, so, explain that. Can you break that down a little bit? Yeah, so Monday morning, everybody in the firm gets an email and it shows how many cases they worked on, how many settlements they had, how many tasks they completed, you know, whatever their, their KPIs are. Then we have a shared Excel document and each person has got their own, ta or, or their own sheet. And so they will go onto that sheet for them and they will fill in their numbers. How many cases did I work on last week? How many tasks did I complete? So we do that every Monday, and then um, then we, we aggregate. Is it, 
So this information is not already in your case management system. This is stuff that they're manually putting in. It's coming from the case management system. But the idea is this Excel sheet, everybody can see everybody else's numbers. And, um, and you know, there's a little bit of competition, right? Everybody wants to, you know, have, have the most settlements. The only thing I don't share are the dollars and cents. So I don't, uh, I don't tell anybody, you know, how many, how much money in, in fees or settlements people do. But in terms of the productivity, each of them enters that information themselves. And um, and if you want to know how you're doing, look at look at one of the other. You know, I, I had five settlements this month, but hey, you know, Jess had twelve, and the month before that he had nine. Well, what am I doing wrong? Um, and and we do go over those numbers at our annual review, but they kind of take care of themselves. Um, I mean, I could put in place, you must do this many tasks, you must do this many, um, uh, you know, this many client contacts, but we really haven't needed it. Everybody works pretty hard. And one of the things I've struggled with is every time I've tried to have something, like Jay was talking about a metric, what you'll find is people move to whatever incentivization you give them. And the truth is you want a well-rounded employee doing everything. And so the moment, you know, you, you see that you're incentivizing a task, you'll see behavior move that way, which is life and people, but you, that may not be in your best interest. It really, you want to focus on it. It's one thing and you want to sort of like remind people, but if you put too much of a thumb on that, it'll end up being disproportionate and things that you're not measuring, you know, which are still important, don't get done or don't get focused on. Yeah, there are great books uh, that I've read about incentivizing employees, and it's hard because you need the incentive to match up with what the behavior is that you're looking for. And sometimes it has the reverse effect. Sometimes it impacts some other metric. Uh, so finding the right incentive is, is difficult. This is not incentivized, though. This is this is just general data that everybody has, and and we need we need people who are self motivated. Um, one of the one of the, the the things we say around the law firm is our competition is not other law firms. Our competition is ourselves. Absolutely, okay? we're kicking butt. You know, I don't care what anybody else is doing. We're in the top five percent in whatever we're doing, but we can do better for ourselves, and um, and we can and, and we can improve in different areas. And once you've mastered. So, so I've got a, a young attorney who's just been fantastic for my firm. And last year, you know, he just settled cases, settled cases, and, and not uh, for short money. And he set goals for himself. And I said, Jess, I mean, you, you can't do more than you're doing. He goes, no, that's not my point. He goes, I wanted to master this. And then next year, I'm going to go on to a different skill. And so I've mastered, you know, how to negotiate and settle cases. Um, by doing, by moving our goals, and now I can move on to something else. I didn't tell him to do that, right? These are the kind of people that, you know, that we try to hire, that are self-motivated, that, um, you know, that, that do it for themselves and do it for the firm, not because there's a supervisor telling them what to do. Gotcha. Jay, you get the final question. Wow. I mean, that, that's just, yeah. how do you find those people? That's really the the, the, the skill set. And, and, and that's what I want to get from you. And maybe some advice to the people who are listening. You know, how do you find those people that are self-motivated? Uh, because from my experience, even the most self-motivated people, they tend to ride sort of a roller coaster because, you know, your work life is only part of your whole life. 
Uh, and so someone self-motivated in their early 30s could change when they're in their late 30s and now having kids, that type of thing. So how do you find those people and, and keep them working for you? All right, two different questions. Um, retaining them, once again, firm culture, how to be in an environment that you like. Uh, our culture is not by accident, right? It's very deliberate, the things that we do. You just need to find your own sweet spot. Uh, you can't teach culture, um, just, to, you know, it, it develops the skills that you can do. But in terms of finding people, uh, you have to understand that the hiring the right people is so important. I just don't think enough people put enough time and money into it. Um, you know, we, we have used uh, recruiters. I would gladly pay, you know, $5,000 for somebody to screen all these applicants and show me two or three absolute rock stars. We've hired two people, right? I mean, we, when, when we have in the NFL draft, okay, you draft the best player, even if you don't need that position. When you come across a quality candidate, you find a place for them. And, and we, have, we, have, we have, somebody has applied for one position and said, you know, we're, we really think you would be great at this position and, and hire them that way. Um, we, uh, we have a very broad, uh, um, uh, very broad uh, uh, search radius, you know, around the country. Um, our job descriptions are very, very detailed. But once we, and we can weed out many of the resumes, but when we start getting some quality resumes, uh, that's when the work really starts. So, for example, if, if, um, if, if the person is going to be on the phone, the first thing we do is, before an interview, before anything else, please call this number and ask for extension 123, and in one minute, tell us why you're the best person for this job. Okay? And, and we get a voicemail. And if the voicemail is like, um, hi, um, you know, I, I've, you know, I've always wanted to work at a law firm and your law firm looks kind of cool. And I mean, you know, you're leaving a voicemail for one minute. You better be prepared and you better come across well on the phone. My name is Michael McCready. I'm a young attorney. I'm really, really ambitious. I love your firm. I think I can learn a lot from it. And I think I could bring a lot to your firm. Here's some of the things that are important to me. I hope you consider this. Click. So we don't even bother with uh, with phone interviews. Just phone interviews take ten minutes. So uh, you know the next step would be a phone interview where we can ask some questions. Um, you know we do what we all do. We do our Zoom meetings now. We do a lot of personality testing, and personality testing costs money. I mean we're investing money to find the right person. Because if we hire the wrong person, we lose so much more money. A bad what, do like what, what do you like for personality testing? Um, I it depends on the position. Uh, we use the disc test. Um, we all, we still use the Myers Briggs because it's free and, and people love those kind of questions. But for for higher uh, level stuff, I use the Jay Henderson's test, uh, Axiomatics. But they're pricey. You know, it's yeah. hundred and fifty to hundred and fifty bucks. Um, but when we're hiring attorneys. Um, or high-level hires, I, I would never hire somebody without that test. Um, it, it, when, when, you, when you see how spot-on it is, all right, so here's the thing with testing, okay? The, 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 the testing for me 
gets a lot of red flags, all right, that I might not have seen. They might have aced the interview. They might have aced their resume. But personality testing will show you. Now, everybody's got their own predilections and, and their own personality. What you really need to watch for are ones that are so ingrained that nothing you can do is going to change them of that personality trait, okay? And, 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 and that's not always bad. But once we know what those traits are, then we can accommodate them and make sure they fit within the system. Here's a perfect example. I've got one of my star employees um, off the charts with status and recognition. Okay, just love status and recognition. Um, so that, of course, translates to pay. You know, I've got to pay him well, but it's much more than that. Is that, you know, when he settles a case, you know, we make a real point to say, you know, hey, so-and-so just settled this case and this is what he did firm-wide. Um, so, so when you know these things about people, how they communicate, um, you know, some people are introverted. Some people just will not come to, come to my firm administrator or won't come to me. We have to go to them. Um, so all these things, you're, you're trying to create a team and you're trying to find the best people to fit in the best positions um, and work together as a team. And, and, and just I'll finish up with one uh, thing that I learned a couple years ago that I really like. So I started my firm and I always felt it was a family, right? We treated everybody like family and it, it's a great analogy. Um, and it should be. However, if every, if every family might have a crazy Uncle Al, okay? Some, just some relative who's just a nut or, or just a not a pleasant person. He's your family. There's nothing you can do about him. So we changed the analogy as we're a team. And now everybody is on the team and you owe a responsibility to everybody else to, to carry your weight, to, to, to act as a team. You never say that's not my job. You help everybody else. And, and if you can't help the team, you know, we're going to replace you. You know, we can't replace a family member. Um, and now, just because you have all the data and the metrics in the world and, and, and you want a team environment, there's still that personal decision, right? Um, you know, I'm the, I'm the final say, and, and I go against the data sometimes on decisions, but at least the data is there to make an informed decision. You, you can't run a business strictly on numbers, not, not, not a legal business. There are cases we shouldn't take because they're not going to be financially worthwhile, but we're going to take them out of principle. Uh, but anyway, uh, treat treat the treat the team treat the office like a team and not a family. I like that. That's great. I like that a lot. Awesome. Well, thank you, thank you so much. This is this has been great, and uh, I hope uh, we get to see you in person sooner rather than later. It's uh, it's been too long. It way, has. way too it, long. All right, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks thank so you. much, Michael. Have a great day. Thanks. Hey, it's Becca here. I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. Guild members get so many benefits, including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the Guild to check out all the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the Guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, Seth. Wow. You know, I, I always say we're going to do another half hour show today and uh, and we never go a half hour, but that was just an hour of, of pure gold. I mean, 
you know, I mean, almost an hour, of course. But uh, but I got to tell you, I've got from notes that I've taken to myself, like six or seven takeaways, just the stuff that I want to be thinking about over the next couple of days. What were your takeaways? No, absolutely. Look, he does stuff. I mean, I've spoken to Michael a lot. So there's things that he's actually helped. And we've sat down and looked at Smart Advocate with him as a firm. But little things, you know, I'm, I'm doing social media. I hate the sort of regurgitated social feed that a firm needs. But he's like, yeah, put birthdays on there. We already, we're already doing them internally. Why aren't they being do, done externally? He does a great job of sort of his recruiting process. I feel like, you know, look, I have a full-time recruiter. We do a good job, but I see this and I'm like, hey, we got a long way to go. We could continue to raise the bar. And it dovetails to our last uh, conversation, which is moving the geographic boundaries so we can get the people that fit the culture and have that internal drive. And something, again, I, I struggled with, talked about on the show, the idea that because of ge geographic limitations, I feel sometimes you take who you can get, who checks six, seven, maybe eight boxes, but we should be getting eight, nine, 10. And, um, you know, Michael, I think is an inspiration when it comes to pushing you because you see he could do it, you can do it. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's really interesting to me taking from this conversation is, you know, two of my really, you know, rock solid uh, staffers now live in Florida and my practice is here in Connecticut. Um, now, they were with me here in Connecticut and subsequently moved and technology allowed it to do it. And I'm thinking to myself while we're having this conversation, maybe there's somebody who's a rock star that's the perfect fit for us in you know Tahlequah, Oklahoma, or in you know uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and maybe I should be expanding my footprint, even looking for some of the uh, uh, the, the intake positions, the legal administrator positions, that type of thing, uh, because it really with technology, there's no reason necessarily to uh, to to limit yourself just to a small geographic footprint, unless that's something that you're specifically looking for, you know, in the office, that type of thing. And look, with domestic hires, at least for now, you can fly those people in. So it's not like they can't come for a period of time for training, given that everything's online anyway, they may just be getting that initial day or two. And that's what we did. We just uh, onboarded two South Carolina lawyers over the last couple of days to expand the criminal footprint down there. And in doing so, they each flew up. They they had already done a Zoom with everybody. And then they got the second touch where they got to see people Perfect. in person. You know, again, it it is not, you know, look, we, we are already trying this. Um, it is not easy because you have two things. You also have the person at the other end where, you know, very often people are looking for jobs. There's so many scams and different jobs. Part of the reason I think Craigslist has failed to deliver is that it got too flooded. You couldn't find the real jobs in there because there were so many get rich quick things going on that people moved to Indeed, very expensive for us. So while I'm playing that game, it is not easy. You know, you can put your ads around the country. We've also experimented Indeed as a program called Indeed Hire, where it's a 10% placement fee. So it's not extraordinary compared to a local group that might be 15 to 25%, um, where they essentially put those ads out there and you only pay when you hire. And we've used that as a way to try to crowdsource something nationally, because if you do a national search, the, the cost on Indeed is X is oh, crazy. We could do a whole show talking about how to leverage it. Because for me, I built my firm on on uh, Craigslist and it was free and then 25, 35, maybe 45, depending on your market per ad. 
not crazy, getting more expensive, but the Indeed clicks are so pricey. And then if you have a lawyer and you say, I need somebody who has this experience, I need criminal defense in Connecticut, three plus years, it dramatically reduces who you get. You still get some clicks right. that are nonsense, but it's not crazy. But if you want intake and you put that out nationally, it's, you know, it's just a click fest and you're, you know, it, the cost is so high. All of a sudden those recruiters don't seem so crazy anymore. And it's, it's, I go back and forth. Yeah, the click the click fest that on Indeed really kills me because I mean you have people who literally will just submit their information to every open job, like that. You know that's their. Uh, you know you'll put somebody else for intake and you'll get somebody who's a warehouse worker and you're saying you're not what we're looking for. We're not what you're looking for, and you know I just paid for your for your resume that we're never going to actually go through. Um, right. And look, and, but it's and, still, but right now, at least in our market, it is still very, very powerful. And yeah. the problem is, but it's expensive. And that dealt like everything is getting more expensive. You know, we I've talked to you about healthcare shooting up, recruiting's going up. And like, it's not like our, our, our revenue is going up as you know, proportionally right. to what we're seeing. So uh, I feel like, you know, again, looking for the more specific you could make it with experience. But when you get out of the legal space where you don't have, requirements that are hard it just opens floodgates and it's it's tough yeah it's tough well that's a downer way to end the show on a downer no no look but again, <laughs> again we're going to figure it out and look so we have our core people in south carolina and you i think part of it is focusing in on an area it sounds crazy you do a national search in theory that's a great idea i haven't figured it out yet um, I find sometimes if you say, hey, here's our and you start to get a sense for a market for what pay is for what, you know, of what makes, you know, what is good and bad expectations there. Um, look, it's a challenge. Again, we're not won't be our last time talking about recruiting. Uh, we talk about always being recruiting. But, you know, again, we talked about last show, whether it's overseas, I think there's a whole nother world of how maybe this is the question. Maybe we can find a guest for this. How do you recruit nationally? in a cost-effective manner. All right. Well, if somebody out there has an answer to that question, please leave us a comment down below or send us a DM. We would love to talk to you, maybe bring you in on the show to talk about recruiting nationally in our, in our, you know, in our space, uh, because these are the types of answers that our people, our audience who want to grow their firm are looking for. And with that said, I think we're going to end the show this week. I want to thank you for being with me as always. I love spending this time with you. Uh, so if you want to catch this podcast, you can certainly do it syndicated on the Maximum Lawyer podcast as well as our standalone. You're always welcome to go back on Maximum Growth Live here on Facebook. You can watch all of our prior shows. Uh, with that, I'm going to leave you now. My name is Jay Ruane from FirmFlex. He is Seth Price from Blue Shark. Uh, we're going to wish you a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you next week on Tuesday with another edition of Maximum Growth Live. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Maximum Growth Live. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and tune in live on Facebook every Thursday for our live show. For more information, visit Maximum Growth Live on Facebook or MaximumLawyer.com and be sure to share us with your friends.